Today's episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after these messages. Hello, potential listeners. My name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast. On most shows, myself, along with some great guests, we will talk about a movie and then some of the most iconic moments that happened in said movie. On top of that, you'll get bonus shows where I will give you short reviews about new and classic movies, or I'll just rant and rave about something going on in the entertainment industry. So come check us out. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, most other places. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Cinema underscore Recall. And then on Facebook, Instagram, we are Cinema Recall Podcast. Uh, don't forget to email us your ad spots to play on future episodes. That email is cinemarecall at gmail.com. Hope to see you around, and thank you very much for listening. Whatever life holds in store for me, I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift, my curse. Who am I? I'm that song from that movie. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your back to formula, back to formula host, Dietrich, and we're joined by the man who's out, out of his mind, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> nothing <laughs> to be said about that, yeah. Do you need some help, Alex? Let the people judge. <laughs> out, am I? <laughs> and we're also joined by the man we've got for three minutes, three minutes of playtime, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a short podcast today. No, it's going to continue afterwards. It's just you're only here for the three minutes of playtime. Oh, no. Well, just for the weather and what films I've watched. Yeah. <laughs> and then you uh, you check out. Just occasionally you just say yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> the reason why I picked those three as well is because as I was reading through the quotes, I realised there's quite a lot of like, someone says a line, stops, and then repeats the line again. Maybe they've had a lot of uh, a lot of filler to be made, like to fill out yeah, the Yeah, maybe film. the script yeah. was only half of the film. How do we how do we make it full length? Let's just repeat every single line. Yeah, Sam Raimi was printing it out and he accidentally like misaligned it and ended up writing everything twice. <laughs> so we went, let's go with it. Let's use it. Let's go with it. I haven't got enough money to reprint. How are we all today? Yeah, very good. There may be background sound on my side because I have two guinea pigs next to me while I am not at my house while an extension is going on. Very nice. And they have picked this moment to be very boisterous. <laughs> so enjoy this. Yeah, listeners. I can't currently hear them, but if they come up on your audio, I'll make sure to leave it in, in the edit. Yeah, great. They've probably got more constructive things to say than me. Almost definitely, yeah. <laughs> when my three minutes are up, they can pass on. <laughs> the guinea pig hour. Watched any movies recently? I have. I watched that. I'm thinking of ending things. I also on watched Netflix. That. Yeah, what did you think? <laughs> uh, how, how long have we got? You've only got three minutes, Ben. I don't know about that film. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Interesting. My God. It was interesting. I don't even know if it was at a point. It was one of those films where I kept thinking, just keep watching it, Ben, because it's going to be, it's going to be, I want to know It'll what's going sense. on. I want It'll to know make this. Sense. It'll make sense. It didn't. <laughs> I had to read about it afterwards to read about the book. Yes. To actually, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what the intention was. Yeah. I feel like when you read about what the book is, it's like, well, that makes sense. But that's not really what happened. <laughs> no, that's the thing. I read that. I read that and I thought, oh, that, that'd be a good yeah. film. That wasn't the film I watched. So I thought it was okay, 
But if this was the intention of making it, this, like I say, this sounds like all complete gibberish. And if you've seen the film, it'll make some sense. If you've not, it makes no sense. But yeah, it's a weird film. And I don't know if I'd recommend it, maybe, probably. I, I don't think I would recommend it. it. It was like it reminded me of, if either of you guys watched the uh, Twin Peaks Return series, where they've sort of just given a director full license to do literally whatever they want and this is exactly what it was like because uh charlie kaufman sort of he's i think he's probably more known for screen writing isn't he really like writing uh yeah, being john 100%. malkovich and uh eternal sunshine and stuff which are kind of out their scripts but they always sort of seem to pull back probably because they're directed by someone yeah. else but with this it's like netflix just gave him loads of money and said like, make a film and he just kind of went out there <laughs> as far as you could possibly yeah. imagine. It's a bit more like Signed Dosh in New York, which is a bit more, again, yeah. gets a bit too lost in itself. Yeah. But, I mean, because An- Anomalisa was another one he directed. And I-, and I felt like that kind of was reined in a bit, but he he actually was directing that as well. But yeah, this one, yeah, maybe it is more in lines with Sindoshi, New York. Yeah. So yes, not a recommended. Have you seen anything, Dee? So I watched, well, I watched one movie and then another, which is the one I want to speak about, which is a weird way of wording this. So I watched The Matrix Reloaded, which is fantastic. Still one of my favourite films. Yes. But the thing I watched, which technically is a TV show, but from watching it clearly was filmed as a two and a half hour film and then chopped up into a TV show, was Two Weeks to Live. Two Weeks to Live. Yeah, so it's, well, it's on Sky One, but it's clearly supposed to have been for Sky Cinema. And it's um, Maisie, the yes, girl from Game of Thrones. Maisie Williams. Yeah, and the, and the, the sister from Fleabag. I've, I've seen her. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It didn't quite work. <laughs> it honestly feels like they started writing a concept about this person going on a rampage because she thinks there's only two weeks left of the world. And then they sort of forgot that concept halfway through. <laughs> it's been advertised as like a comedy. Yeah. But the tone of the actual film is nothing like the adverts. It's it's, it's a lot drier. So I wouldn't recommend it. But yeah, I thought it was odd that it'd been chopped up into a TV show. So do you definitely think it was meant to be like one of these Sky original releases? Definitely, because a few of the episodes, the pacing of the actual episode doesn't make sense unless it's a movie like the, the Panoma episode isn't really like an actual TV show episode. It's sort of like the bit before Act 3 where right. they're sort of setting up what's going to happen. If that was an episode of a TV show, you'd be going, well, nothing's happening. It's like, well, it's supposed to be like a 10-minute scene before the last 45 minutes of the movie. Yeah, how, well, how, how long are the episodes? Half an hour? They're like 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Yeah, that does yeah. definitely sound like a chopped up film. <laughs> yep, no thank you. Not a recommendation from me. Yeah, I'll leave that one. Okay, so today's episode is the music of Spider-Man, as in the one from 2002. So to take you back to 2002, it's my turn. So here's the news. So the world was ready for some Far East-influenced soccer action as the 2002 World Cup kicked off in Japan and South Korea. What are your memories of this one? I thought you were going to talk about Shaolin soccer then. I did as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't. I remember going to school very early to Breakfast Club and then watching the games and being very upset at the Brazil-England match. Yeah, I remember seeing, because obviously we went to the same primary school, I remember seeing the the England-Brazil game. In school. <laughs> yeah. The f- second half, I think it was. Yeah, depressing. I go to the same school, but in my notes, I've literally put memories of watching this sat on the floor at school. <laughs> we were all kindred spirits and we didn't even know it. TV on wheels. Yep. Probably. TV on wheels. No longer did it have the excitement after that time when it'd be wheeled in. I thought it was just bringing in more trauma. <laughs> Every time you hear the squeak, squeak of a little wheel it just reminds yeah, yeah. you of England just that screaming era. Ronaldinho no <laughs> the golden generation falling apart <laughs> one of my uh, main memories from that England Brazil match 
is one of the teachers celebrating every time Brazil scored or England missed because she'd pulled out Brazil from the teacher's sweepstakes. The full time went and Brazil had won. She celebrated and the other teachers refused to speak to her. Yeah, I, that's good. Good. No loyalty. But now I'm an adult. I sort of side with her. If someone's saying I'm going to win 50 no, quid. Oh, I mean... It would have been 50 quid if it was a school sweepstakes, would it? It would have been like a bottle of cheap wine <laughs> or something. <laughs> Dietrich did go to Eton, Alex. Oh, I forgot, yeah. It really comes across in how I speak. (laughs) Proper does. So it was goodbye to the World Wrestling Federation and hello to the World Wrestling Entertainment Company. May 2002 saw the first use of WWE as the name of Vince McMahon's wrestling juggernaut, is what I've written here. (laughs) That was following legal action by the World Wildlife Fund. Honestly can't believe how much wrestling comes up in this podcast. This WWF uh, WWE story was quite a big story. I feel I feel like in the past we've maybe she won wrestling, in, but this was a, this was a big story. <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> Fine, I'll let this one slide. Yeah. To be fair, I think I've done it before as well. We talked about Hulk Hogan one week. Oh yeah, that's right. Not the worst offender, Ben. He is also a movie star. Well, <laughs> star. Whoa. Arguably more movies. famous. <laughs> arguably more famous for his movies than he is his wrestling career. I doubt it. Arguably. Nobody would argue that, surely. (laughs) Hulk Hogan might. Anything's arguable if someone argues it. (laughs) It doesn't make it. I'm doing it it right now. Name name five of his films, then. Ultimate Warrior. (laughs) Um, It wasn't called Ultimate Warrior, it was called something else. Uh, Ultimate Fighter. Mr. Nanny is one of them, obviously. Gremlins 2. Ultimate Fighter, I think. Was was he in Rocky 3? Was it Rocky 3 that he was in? That would make sense. He was in one of the Rocky... I'll move on. The British Standards Commission, Ofcom, who do the television standards, declared that long-running British soap opera EastEnders had gone too far with their depictions of domestic abuse during the Christmas specials. Do you remember what that was? It was a huge I, I story. I know nothing about EastEnders. Was it Phil Mitchell related? It was not Phil Mitchell related. Oh, oh, was it Dirty Den related? Neither. Neither. Ninety-seven. Shame. What is it? It's two thousand and two. We're obsessed <laughs> with ninety-seven on this podcast. <laughs> but it's two thousand and two. Are you sure it was? Are you sure? 2002, I don't know. They got cats. Oh, right, family. Oh my god, I can't believe I've got this right. Slayers. The Slayers. It's, it's, yeah, so it was Little Mo Slayer was being abused by her husband, Trevor. Is Little Mo, Mo the one that's related to Gary Oldman, or is that Big, that's Big Mo? <laughs> yeah, so this was like a huge story at the time, and basically on Christmas Day, it, showed, it sort of showed them making a Christmas dinner, and the husband sort of hitting her, scolding her with stuff. At one point, he paused, like, scolding up gravy on top of her head, and this was all at, like, 7pm on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas! <laughs> as, we're, as we're pouring gravy onto our... Lovely turkey yeah, And it sort of went for a full week of like all these things and little Mo was trapped in like a bedroom until eventually she snapped on New Year's Day, killed Trevor with an iron. Spoilers if you haven't watched a 18-year-old episode of EastEnders. So the British music charts in May 2002 really epitomised where music was in the country. So over the four weeks there was four different number ones. The first one, Sugar Babe's cover of Freak Like Me. So I'll be a freak until the day, until the dawn. It was a great tune. Copyright. So that was replaced by Kiss Kiss by Holly Valance. God, I don't know the words. <laughs> <laughs> then that was replaced by If Tomorrow Never Comes by Boys Own lead singer Ronan Keating. Don't you know how much I love her? Is that the one where he gets hit by a car in the video? Is that yes, a different that one? one? No, I think it's it is that one. one. And rounding out the month, and easily the best of the four, Just a Little by Liberty X. Work in the Lincoln. I just a meet me in the middle. Go just a I, pr- I promise we will more. talk about movies, audience. I'll just move on. We'll move on to the film. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated the singing, Alex, for someone that is not too well. Yeah, yeah, it might be a bit throwy and a bit. It might be a bit Trisha Yearwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Callback. Wow. 
the movie we're talking about is Spider-Man, which was released in May 2002 and was directed by Sam Raimi. I put Spider Raimi in my notes. <laughs> Spider Raimi. Spider Raimi. Yes, yeah, so that's why I paused there. So I'll do a quick plot synopsis. But if you don't know the plot to Spider Man, you've been living under a rock. So Peter Parker is your average run of the mill nerd. He likes books and learning. But after being bitten by a genetically altered <laughs> spider, he gains superpowers, including super strength, super web shooting, and super six pack. He uses his powers to fight crime, but struggles to balance it with his private life. What do you think of that synopsis? Well, it's pretty accurate. I don't know why being bitten by a spider gives you a six-pack. If any spiders around here are listening and want to bite me, go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, a cheat diet. One of those sort of BuzzFeed articles. Get ripped in in 30 seconds, here's how. Single mom of 30 finds new secret that doctors are, uh, <laughs> doctors are yeah, angry about. Number seven will shock you. So at the time, this was a very well-received movie, especially as superhero movies were the new fad. So did you like the movie at the time? And do you still like it now? Yes, and yes. I definitely loved it as a kid. Probably one of the few DVDs I actually watched that weren't just Christmas purchases that I never went back to. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, same. I mean, I think it sort of launched the superhero film genre, really, didn't it? Because there was the Batman film, the Tim Burton Batman films, and then Batman and Robin, <laughs> which I think we discussed a bit in a previous episode. But there wasn't really any others until this one came out. Wasn't it, didn't X-Men come out just before yeah, X-Men this? came out before this year. X-Men just before. Uh, Sony starting to relaunch the properties that they bought, which were X-Men and Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. X-Men was fault. Oh, How was it? What have you done? But, uh, maybe that was the article, because I remember reading an article that was quite interesting about how X-Men's success as a, a sort of bringing back the superhero genre in a way led to their own demise, because kind of led to Marvel becoming this huge juggernaut, which in a way destroyed, as they were bought out by Disney, who then bought out Fox. Makes sense. So they destroyed First themselves domino. over a 20-year period. It's that domino effect where each domino gets bigger and bigger until it destroys a city. Yeah. And I still like the film. <laughs> it's interesting about the X-Men film, because originally Hugh Jackman was supposed to play Wolverine in this film. He even turned up to film scenes, but Fox wouldn't let him wear the X-Men suit, so they decided to scrap it. A little bit of trivia for that. That's How strange. I did not know that. There was two things that got me excited as a child, and that was overly sugared cereals and cartoon crossovers. And I loved sort of in the amazing Spider-Man cartoon when the X-Men would come in, Fantastic Four. So I would have lost my mind at the idea of these things crossing over already. So when this movie came out, as you've actually already said, Ben, we were all 11 years old. All of us, everyone in the Every world. Every single person in the world was 11 years old, which is why I thought this movie was a 12A. It, was it not the first 12A? It wasn't. I thought it was. I've always thought this was the first 12A, and it was the movie that sort of inspired people to go, maybe we should have one where 10, 11-year-olds can see a superhero movie sort of thing. But apparently the first one was The Born Identity, and this one was never classed as 12A. But I went to the cinema and saw this, so I must have broken the law. Yeah, yeah cool. I don't know why. I could have sworn it says it on my DVD, 12A. Well, maybe when the DVD was released, it was 12As had begun. I don't think any yeah. DVDs were ever rated 12A. I think that was just the cinema rating. Oh, was, was it? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if, if we have American listeners, which I'm sure we do in the thousands, that a 12A is basically where you could see a film if you were under 12, as long as you were accompanied by an adult. So because we've got three songs to talk about, I feel like we just crack on with these songs. Yep, let's get cracking. So the first one I've got here, and it's one I wouldn't have actually included had Alex not pushed for it when we first started doing the podcast. And that was, <laughs> uh, it was It's Bother by Corey Taylor. That was released a year after the movie in March 2003. So it's on the, the movie soundtrack. What do you guys think of this one? I mean, when I googled this song, it kept coming up as Spider-Man 3. So that's why I was for ages. Then I saw the soundtrack and was like, oh yeah. This was a very popular song for young Benjamin on his iPod. 
um, <laughs> or other musical device that I was using at the time that was likely a knockoff version of said iPod. <laughs> of the Stone Sour songs, I think I listened to this quite a lot. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great song. <laughs> I used to be a very big Stone Sour fan also. I had a Stone Sour hoodie because I'm that cool. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think my first Jutin song actually was on a Kerrang! compilation album that I had. It was like the last song on the album. Wow. For some reason, I because I think when actually when we were discussing this song, I thought it was on the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack. I didn't realise it was Spider-Man 1. And then when I saw that we were doing this episode and you'd included it, I was like, oh, I'm sure it's not on that film. But then obviously it is. So I think we were all sort of mixed up about what... Because <laughs> presumably it doesn't feature in the film, does it? I know it's on the soundtrack. And the only allusion to it in the video is the Spider-Man ring that Corey Taylor is wearing in the video that's it um, <laughs> so i don't know exactly what the connection to the film with this song is or whether it was just the yeah, was just throw on the soundtrack yeah so the song was about well it's about cory taylor moving back to iowa after a failed attempt at making solo music in denver but despite this although was specifically recorded for spider-man one cory taylor was desperate to have a song on the movie and recorded this song as his attempt because he's such a massive spider-man fan the song was written seven years earlier <laughs> I've got a song for you guys. So the song was written seven years before the film? Yeah, but he didn't record it until Spider-Man because he thought it would fit with Spider-Man. Does it fit with Spider-Man? No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I was thinking about I was thinking about this, and I think like there is aspects of the song which are sort of about responsibility, or being given responsibility for something you didn't want. So it's like a burden. And I think that's very much in keeping with Spider-Man, isn't it? Because he gets this, yeah, you know, guess, with great yeah. power comes great responsibility. But he never really wants the responsibility that he gets. Um, and I think that all three of the Tobey Maguire films, he's wrestling with that the entire time, isn't he? Whether or not he wants to bother with being a superhero. <laughs> yeah. I guess you can argue anything, can't you? You can argue anything, <laughs> you can argue, You could just as easily as you could argue that Hulk Hogan was more famous for being in films. Just as easy. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a random fact for each of these songs. So here's your random fact for this one. Corey Taylor has an authentic Spider-Man pinball machine. What? Authentic, authentic. Spider-Man pinball what does it? What does it mean in 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 this case? By authentic, <laughs> it's not an imaginary pinball machine. I guess it's not <laughs> a it fake genuine? one. Yeah, but, fa- yeah, but what would that officially be? licensed? Officially licensed, I suppose. I'm, I'm guessing. Like. I, I I copied and pasted that from an interview about yeah. his uh, comic book room he has in his house. So yeah, is this song in the film? And it's not. It's not in the film. Because I was kept thinking when it was uh, you know the songs. I was like, I know all these songs. Do I know all of them from Spider-Man? <laughs> is this where I first heard about these? Or were they big, big songs, you know, already? And I guess that's what I was trying to... I couldn't really figure out. I think the other two that we'll go on to are definitely more, more associated with the film than this one. It does raise a bigger question, though, about soundtracks for films. Like, what warrants putting a song on a soundtrack that doesn't feature in the film? It's just odd, isn't it? This Spider-Man started the trend of music from and inspired by the movie. <laughs> oh, right. Soundtracks that, like, Transformers would have every single time. And they're not quite as prevalent now. Most of the noughties, like, every action film had a tie-in soundtrack that included songs that were not even yeah. anything to do with the film. At least this one has the Spider-Man ring. <laughs> the Spider-Man ring. <laughs> yeah. On to the next song, which has a strong connection to the Spider-Man movie, other than a ring on somebody's finger. It's It's What We're All About by the Canadian rock band Sun 41, featuring Kerry King from the thrash and metal band Slayer, which was released in Europe only. That's Europe only in April 2002. What do you guys think of this one? My first, my first thought on, re, on re-listening to it was that the rap from the beginning is the rap from the beginning of the Fat Lip video, which I never really Correct. linked up yep. before in my mind. 
It's a good song. I think we were all big Sum 41 fans, and I'm sure... Well, I'll mention it right now, the fact that we tried to see them three or four times oh, every oh, single time. <laughs> they cancelled. <laughs> for whatever reasons. Usually to do with some sort of plane crash or something, wasn't it? I swear he okay. broke his back or something in the first one. Yeah. That would have been the first like gig I think I paid for. <laughs> yeah. I remember us being very excited on a night out when Sum 41 were announced for Download Festival. Yep. Following day, they pulled out. <laughs> but when I think about this sort of time, like uh, being like year six at school, the two things that do come into my head are the 2002 World Cup. And some 41. <laughs> the old killer no filler album. And I'm exactly the same. I like, oh, it's the start of Fat Lip. Yeah. I don't know this song as well as the others because it wasn't on an album, was it? Except presumably the Spider-Man soundtrack. That's right, yeah. And it's not on Spotify. It's not on Spotify. Ooh. Nope. The song explains how much the band require rock music to survive in life, how important it is to the band, and they show that unquenchable need for rock by rapping three quarters of the song. <laughs> The, the, the two things were synonymous of that time. It was the new metal sort of end, you know, the crest of that wave. We had yeah. Linkin Park, we had Limp Bizkit, we had Korn. They were yeah, in the count. Maybe more so than Sum 41. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would not consider Sum 41 as new metal, but I mean the, yes, the rap rock combo. They kind of uh, yeah. made it all a bit more digestible, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's probably why they were so successful for that, like, four or five year period that they were like the biggest I was going to say the biggest rock band in the world but <laughs> maybe not quite. what a claim what a claim but they were they, they were you massive too. were they and uh, yeah, they were yeah they were massive and um, obviously like the lead singer was getting out with Paris Hilton at one point that was the whole thing and Avril so, Lavigne then Avril Lavigne and uh, then Avril Lavigne and, and then there was a song written about it called <laughs> Skateboard do you guys remember when this is in the movie? No, because it is in the movie. It's actually in the film. Is, I, it, I the, would, is it the fight? In the film. Is it the wrestling match? Nope. Damn. I was going to say it's got, this has got end credits written all over it. Weirdly, this out of the three songs we're speaking about, this is the only one that's in the actual film. Um, is Macy Gray singing it at the parade? <laughs> oh yeah, Macy Gray. Yes, correct. <laughs> what? What? Really? No, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> So it's a it's a it's a blinking that you'll miss it type thing. So if you're not, is it on a radio at some point? It's on the radio. Yeah. Is Uncle Ben listening to it? <laughs> yes, exactly. You're right. <laughs> so when Uncle Ben is dropping off Peter before he goes to the wrestling match, it's on the radio. So Uncle Ben is listening to some forty one. <laughs> well, rocks what he's all about. I remember being in the cinema and being like, "Oh my god, that's a song! Oh my god, oh my god!" I was probably the only person in the country that realised. <laughs> it's confirmed Uncle Ben listens to some 41. Well, listened to. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, a stronger connection to the movie is the music video, which shows the band performing a gig on the ceiling with the fans below. Clips of the movie are shown throughout. At the end of the video, Spider-Man arrives and nearly reveals his identity to the gig-goers, but escapes before they can see him. Have you watched the video recently? I did, I watched it. I watched it in prep. In prep. I did, yes. The best bit of the entire video is when it shows the gig going on over Spider-Man's shoulder and you can sort of see the straight lines where they've cut out the gap <laughs> to show the, the people dancing. Budget was, you know, quite close to max by this point. I enjoyed it where there was a bit where they were upside down because like, uh, Spider-Man hangs upside down. <laughs> oh. Just that clapping. Now I get it. Thumbs now up on that music it. video. <laughs> Like and subscribe. I mean, yeah, it's a bit lazy, but you know. It's a first draft idea, isn't it's it? It's a first draft idea. We need to do a Spider-Man music video. Mm, stand on the ceiling? Stand on the ceiling. Stand on the ceiling. It's getting very, um, you could be mine, Guns N' Roses vibes. Yes. Well, that's, that's kind of what I was like, it to my mind. The main character at the, <laughs> at the gig. 
Peter Parker's spidey sense was in decibel level overload. <laughs> he thought it'd be a waste of webbing. <laughs> so what's the story with the guy from Slayer being in this, in this song as well? That seems very unusual. He just appears halfway through. So essentially, the producer for this song was also the producer for Slayer. I've not written the guy's name down, because that would have been helpful. Uh, so the guy, the producer, apparently just whilst they were in the studio, was like, I'm just going to call someone from Slayer and see if they're available. And <laughs> Kerry King said yes. Yeah, I'm not doing <laughs> In an interview, Kerry King was asked about why he sold out and appeared on a some point. Why he sold uh, out? Video. Did he say that they were obviously the biggest rock band in the world and he would never go to this down? <laughs> I'm sure that's what he said. He said, well, some point when are selling out arenas every night. The classic Metallica line. Kerry King's response. I'm sure some of these fans who say this have some pretty dodgy shit in their CD collection as well. If you want to call me a sellout, call me a sellout. But I'm still in Slayer ripping people's faces off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Rock on. Surely it should be melting people's faces as well. Yeah. Maybe. Well, yeah. Maybe. Maybe he's in, is he in prison now? This was the first confession. That's one of the albums people have in their in their CD collection. Usher confessions. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be ashamed of that though, because it's an true, absolute true. rocking album. Melting people's faces off. When you see Kerry King in the video, did you think he was on a green screen, nowhere near where the band was recording the video? I assumed everyone was on a green screen, nowhere near anyone. <laughs> well, apparently he turned up on the day and met the band and thought they were really cool guys. But the music video doesn't look like they even met. I don't think there's any scene where they're together. Because this way you could have plausible deniability. Well, I was just doing a guitar solo in the middle of a party and, you know, they took it and put it in there. <laughs> so uh, to round this out, I've got my random fact for this song. Can't wait. Some 41 were offered a million dollar contract to use this song on Cause Light adverts. They turned it down. Yeah, they do it for Cause, but not Cause Light. It's too light. <laughs> it's not heavy enough. If you think of the chorus of this song and then replace the word rock with Cause, that's what the advert would have been. Cause is what we're, it's all about. It's, it's what, what we live for. This show about. Yeah, it sounds mm. like it could be a cool advert. I mean, why did they turn it down? Did they feel like it would be selling out? <laughs> yeah, they were like they said that some people had some really dodgy beers in their beer collection. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Full circle. That's what we do on this podcast. Right, let's move on to the final song because uh, this podcast is going to be over an hour long. <laughs> the one song that everyone does remember being on this film. <laughs> yes. So finally, Hero by Avril Lavigne's other ex-husband, Chad Kroger, featuring Josie Scott. Did not know that. In March 2002. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did not know that. Yep. What? Two of the three acts have married Avril Lavigne. So, so when's the uh, wedding between Corey Taylor and... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You better believe that I, the first thing I did was start checking Corey Taylor's personal life <laughs> to see if he's ever dated Avril Lavigne. And? And? Nothing. Right. Apparently uh, she was unhappy with him spending too much time on his authentic Spider-Man pinball machine. <laughs> he's got no time for me, Corey. So in my uh, section about the song, I've just written, what a song. Thoughts? <laughs> yep, what a song. It's a great one. And yes, this was the only one I was like, I remember this music video, didn't need to watch it, just remember them on top of the, on top of the, uh, it's like a skyscraper, oh, it's like a roof. Yeah, with the water cooler in the background. Yeah, yeah, a lot of wind. It's a great song. The main thing I remember about this is Chad Kroger's legs. He has like the world's longest, like spider, interestingly, spider legs. And in this video, it's never more apparent. In fact, there's a shot that comes up the side of the skyscraper, like underneath his legs. And it's just like, he's like inhuman, like large legs. Interestingly, I've also talked about his legs in some of my notes. I've talked about the fact he's wearing the flariest flare jeans you've ever oh, seen. Yeah, they are. They are very flary. <laughs> Super legs. He could have been bit by a radioactive spider, but he didn't get any of the strength. He just got the long, gangly legs. Just the legs. <laughs> So yeah, I said it was featuring Josie Scott, but he wasn't the only Nazis rock musician who worked on this song. Essentially, it's a super group of Nazis rock musicians. So you've got Mike and Chad Kroger of Nickelback. You've got Josie Scott of Saliva. 
You got Tyler Connolly of Theory of a Dead Man. <laughs> a band I'd forgotten existed until I read this. <laughs> yeah. You've got Matt Cameron from Pearl Jam. No, that's a good one. He was the drummer, but he's not the drummer that appears in the video. And you've got Brian Larson of the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well-known Nazis rock musician. Before it was just a group, but with him, <laughs> with him in there, that's, that's where the secret comes from. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh, it's such a great song. It's just such a fantastic song. It seems to pull on more of that sort of actual... I don't know, it feels like more of a, a film song, like a movie song akin to some of the other ones that we've discussed. I feel like a lot of the other songs both bother, um, and I can't remember the name of the Sum 41 song. <laughs> Which says a lot. Yeah, it says a lot. Well, it, they just feel like they're songs. Whereas, I, I don't know, this it has a bit more of a sort of an epic feel, a bit more... Um, it feels like the song for a blockbuster. Yeah, while still being in keeping with, I guess, this the rock side that they were trying to go with with Spider-Man, whether that's just because music of the time or we're wanting him to be seen as slightly edgy. Yeah, I think it's probably it probably yeah. links to the fact that he's you know it's about a teenager and this is teenage music <laughs> of yep. the time. Because I mean, yeah, Nickelback again, like some forty one were quite huge at this point. Not so much Saliva, but <laughs> no, but definitely yeah. Nickelback. Safe rock music, though. Yeah, you know? oh, we're not yeah. pushing out. We're not. We aren't throwing in Slipknot. But it's twelve A, isn't it? It's twelve A uh, music on a twelve A film. Well, it's interesting to say that because I've got a quote here from the NME, the Irrelevant Music Review outlet. They described this song as commercial grunge with a middle-of-the-road sensibility. Yeah, sure. Which I thought is quite a bland and inoffensive and probably correct (laughs) description of the song. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. However, the review goes on to describe the song as pandering to America's fried chicken guzzling, truck riding, sister shagging demographic. Well, that went from middle of the road to uh, veering off the cliffside. <laughs> it's like that's where you paused, went away, got punched in the face by a trucker and came back. And to rather the end of the sentence. Would you say that that's less accurate than the first part of the description? The first point, easily agreed with. The latter half of that sentence. <laughs> Maybe not. I ain't going to put my chips down on the table with that statement. <laughs> it's arguably correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can argue anything, but... <laughs> so, Ben, you said you hadn't watched the music video before this. No, I listened. To, I just listened to the song on Spotify again, but mainly because it was the one I knew, and I remember it being yeah. on Kerrang! Music Station quite a lot. I'd say almost non-stop. Like this, <laughs> well, yeah, and then yeah. something yeah. else, and then this again. <laughs> yeah, American Idiot, Welcome to the Black Parade, Hero. <laughs> You're describing my Spotify playlist. <laughs> Alex, did you watch the music video recently? I did, yeah. I watched it earlier today. Did you notice something weird about the movie clips they used? I, d- I don't remember noticing anything weird about them. Are they not from the film? <laughs> <laughs> they are from the film. But this is the kind of problem. The clips showed the entire plot of the movie from start to finish. Oh, yeah. I suppose, yeah, they did, I suppose they did do that, yeah. What? Spoilers are plenty? Yep. It literally is the entire film in five minutes. Even to, like, the final shot of the film. <laughs> That's weird. It's weird. Like, can you imagine the uproar about spoilers if they did that on of any movie coming up? I mean, I guess it's difficult now having a lot of knowledge of seeing the film many times. But is there a big spoiler in the film? You know he's going to become Spider-Man. You know. <laughs> you know Willem Dafoe is Green Goblin. Because I'm pretty sure I remember it on the sort of McDonald's adverts. <laughs> and, you know, Willem Dafoe is never going to be the good guy. Um, <laughs> sorry, Willem, I know you're listening, but, you know. Prove us wrong. You know Uncle Ben's going to kick the bucket. What's the spoiler? Just like the actual film. like what, He's going like, to catch all the fruit and the, and the lunch on the plate. Literally, the only thing the, the music video doesn't spoil is Randy Savage's casual homophobia. Oh, wait, no, it's not his. It's uh, Peter Parker's casual homophobia. 
in the what, I, what what is this during the wrestling scene uh, peter parker says that's a nice dress did your husband buy it for you terrible terrible it, oh it, it made me cringe when i watched it that scream screams early noise <laughs> yeah it does doesn't it it really really does Maybe it's uh, pandering to those sister shagging, whatever. <laughs> I'll shag my sister. I don't want no man shagging no man. <laughs> no, if they're wearing a dress. Okay, so everyone always forgets Josie Scott's uh, part of this. People say it's Nickelback. Yeah. It's, it's not. That's one of the one things I had in my mind. Is like, I remember being really angry all the time that everyone used to refer to this as Nickelback. <laughs> so it's right there. The mild-mannered Alex. <laughs> it says... Chad Kroger featuring Jersey Scott. The amount of times he got kicked out of maths just then throwing over a table. <laughs> I want anyone ever credit Josie Scott. Someone who didn't want to give him any credit was Chad Kroger. He didn't want to give Josie Scott any credit. So Josie Scott told MTV in 2004 that he was conned out of money from this song. He had a handshake deal with Kroger for 40 grand for doing the recording of the song and another 40 grand for doing the music video. So that's, that's quite a lot of money. Do you want to guess how much Chad Kroger paid him? Zero. Ooh, $80. Okay, it's not quite that low. Uh, Forty. <laughs> Three grand. Alex is close. It's, he got paid five grand in total for the whole thing. That's a figure that Jodie Scott claims was less than the flights and hotels involved in the recording and the flights and hotels again for shooting the music video. So he actually made a loss, according to Jodie Scott. Terrible. So Jodie Scott claims that he wanted to avoid legal action with Chad Kroger, instead saying he wanted to settle it the Memphis way. Oh god. This is not doing good for this enemy sort of uh, review, is it? As long as it doesn't involve Chad Kroger's sister. So the quote he said was You go back on a contract, you don't see subpoenas or lawyers. You get my ass on a plane with a baseball bat, and I'm going to see who's got my money. Well, they say that hero can save us. He's not going to stand there and be conned out of 75 grand. He's going to hold on to the wings of a plane in this case. He should have sold the rights to the song to Cause Light. <laughs> And they say that a cause light can save us. I'm not going to drink a Bud Light. <laughs> Do you guys think this song did well at the award season? <laughs> I don't even know. I'm surprised that you even brought this up, so no. I bet it did okay at the Grammys, if that's what we came. I've gotten the information here about the Grammys and the Oscars. Right, well, I'm surprised that you even have information, so please continue. So the song, I'll go Grammys first. It was nominated for three Grammys, and it lost them all. <laughs> It's not hard to win a Grammy, we've established this before. So, best song written for a motion picture, television, or other visual media, it lost to If I Didn't Have You from Monster Sync. Yeah, fair. Then it also was nominated for best rock performance by a duo group with vocals, <laughs> which it lost to Coldplay for In My Place. Not fair. And then... Let me guess, Dee, was it uh, best song featuring vocals of Chad Kroger and Jersey Scott? And it's always still lost. Uh, no, it was just best rock song, huh, just straight up. up. And it lost that to Bruce Springsteen for The Rising. Don't even know that song. Oh, the Grammys must be the most annoying show to go to. Especially if you don't win. Yeah. Like, imagine going and not get coming home with an award. You're the only I'm, one. Imagine that where you're up for one of the big ones, though, and you just got to sit through all this sort of rubbish rock nonsense. There's even ones that's like, you know, oh, best jazz duo performance and stuff. Best music video involving someone wearing a tie. <laughs> just smartening their tie while they're sat there. <laughs> but yes, I am not surprised. It did nothing. Can't wait to hear about the Oscars. I'm sorry. It didn't win an Oscar. Uh, but was it nominated, though? No. Which is criminal. <laughs> it's criminal. <laughs> so that's right. I knew it wasn't. This was going to be a shock. I, I don't understand how it wasn't when I look at some of these other ones. Because, I mean, Father and Daughter from the Wild Thornberrys movie was nominated <laughs> over this song. <laughs> The funniest part of that 
is that Chad Groger is actually part of the Academy and voted for Wild Thornberrys. Just loves Nigel Thornberry. <laughs> Nigel. The, the winner that year, in fairness, it was never going to beat the winner of the Oscar, which was Lose Yourself from 8 Mile. Oh, of course. Brilliant. Never, ever going to beat that. So a, a segment that I'm going to periodically include on the show... I've not fully come up with a name for it yet, but it's called The Idiots at Genius. So I've taken the Genius lyrics and I've got one explanation from one of the lines. So this one, I like it. the line is, now the world isn't ending, it's love that I'm sending to you. That's quite a basic line. Yeah. Here's how Genius explains that lyric. Once the danger that's required the hero's attention is over, he can spend time with his beloved. By the time it's all over, he is loved by the spectators, but he's lost the love that he's sought to save. The world is cold and balance is impossible. Even common people know that. As everlasting rumours of Chad Kroger splitting with his wife, Avril Lavigne. <laughs> that was deep. Of course, Avril Lavigne and Chad Kroger did not meet until many years after this song, so I don't know how <laughs> this lyric is about that, but according to Genius, that's what it is. It's a premonition. Maybe it was about the splitting up of the guy from Sun 41 and Avril Lavigne. Maybe. And that concludes my notes. So, <laughs> over to you, Ben, for a top five. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, so we were fortunate, incredibly fortunate, and I go to bed thinking it's every night that we were lucky enough to get three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. And it's travesty that we've not had more. True. After Spider-Man 3 in 2007, a few betting sites had started odds for who would be the next Spider-Man. Remember, these are usually terribly wrong. Who did the public think would be the next Spider-Man? And Andrew Garfield's not on that list. No. Okay, Will Smith. Think think actually who the character is and the age of Will Smith. Go younger. Go younger. Jake Gyllenhaal. No. Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Channing Tatum. You're going too old. You're going too old. We're going too old. I'll tell you, four of these are an actor, and the fifth is, is a robot. Is is a is a wild card. I would have loved to have seen it, but it's a wild card. Is it a, mu- a musician? No, no. It's a sports related person. David Beckham. No. <laughs> Tom Brady. No. Someone that would have been quite special to have had the role. Ah, Josie Mourinho. Jose, Jose Mourinho. Yes, was number five in the odds for the next Spider Man. I don't know. It was just there. <laughs> Most of them American, or is it? Is this like yeah, a British Yeah, um, I think one of them's English. Number one, actually, I think he's English. Daniel Radcliffe. That sort of lines, though, but no. Robert Pattinson. Yes, number one was Robert Pattinson. Okay, could see that. The other guy, Taylor Lautner. That was number four, yes. <laughs> number three would be the one I'd love to see, personally. He's someone that hasn't got much of a career anymore because he definitely had a face for a teenager. Uh, Rupert Grint. No. Oh, Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. What a terrible Spider-Man he would make. <laughs> he would have been awful. Can you imagine Michael Sarah there looking into the mirror just after he'd been bitten? Just ripped to shreds. Number two was a Disney-related star. Drake Bell. No. <laughs> no. Josh Peck. No. But on the uh, right lines. What was huge when we were Oh, like, Zac Efron. Zac there Efron. you go. There you yeah. go. And that concludes my top five. He'd been a good pick. Yeah, Zac Efron would have been. Michael Sarah and Jose Mourinho, though. They were the picks. So now we have to pick what is the best song from Spider-Man of these three before someone picks a one, another one from the soundtrack. I don't feel like there's going to be much debate here. Alex, what is the best song from the 2002 Spider-Man movie? Probably Hero by Chad Kroger and Jesse Scott. But probably. I, probably. Just because I do really like the Stone Sour one as well. But I feel like yeah. I concede that that's... You don't really associate it with this film. Because as well, if you mentioned like, the film to anyone and said, which so- what's the song for this film? This is the one they would say, rightfully. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think you've got, you got to go for this one, really. Yeah, all the same reasons. I mean, it's just nice listening back, though. It feels very much a snapshot of my youth. 
even though the Sum 41 I do associate as just the intro to the Fat Lip music video. Still nice to just listen back. It's a very good and accurate just sort of musical representation of what was my 11, 12 year old self. But yeah, the Chad Kroger, Josie Scott hero, that is probably the best song. And again, like Alex said, it is the one I associate with the film. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's the one I associate with the film. It's just the best song from a movie. In general. Okay, maybe not that far. <laughs> Argu- it's arguably the best song from any movie ever. Except for the Wild Thornbridge. <laughs> Except for the Wild Thornbridge, which Chad Kroger also wrote. <laughs> That's a super group. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know on Twitter what your favourite Spider-Man song is. And what is our Twitter handle, Ben? TSFTMPod. Nailed it. In your face, Alex. <laughs> if you want to help share this podcast, you can do that on Reddit by sharing this to the arguably the best subreddit. Wild Thornberries. <laughs> okay, or the Wild Thornberries, which is also arguably the best subreddit. Yeah. So all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from Alex. You don't trust anyone. That's your problem. I trust my barber. <laughs> I wouldn't, Alex. Shade. And the shade of it all. And goodbye from Ben. Pizza time. That's not this film. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say it. We're going to do Spider Man 2 at some point. Is there a song from Spider Man 2? There's like songs from every single Spider Man film. <sighs> Save me, Chad. Alright, so goodbye, everybody. Bye. Pizza time. Anybody call for <laughs> Anybody call for a website? Maybe. Maybe it was a... No, I've got nothing funny there.